Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your sock drawer looking? Is it scary? Maybe it's time for a spring cleaning and refresh. Bombas just dropped a bunch of absurdly soft new socks, tees, and underwear to help you get that drawer in a better place while doing a little bit of good. Look, when I open up my uh, sock drawer and I see a clean pair of Bombas sitting on top, not only do my feet sort of jump for joy, but like... I can't wait to get them on my feet because I know they're going to be cozy. I know they're going to be the best socks in the house. And I know that they're going to keep me going all day long. They've got some great details that have been obsessed over, including the honeycomb arch support, which I love. Anti-blister tabs, which I also love. What that is, it's a little bit of a heel that goes up a little, just a just a smidge higher. Like in a, whatever the perfect amount higher is, that's how high it goes. Bombas has figured this out. Uh, and they've got cushioned footbeds that feel like little pillows on your feet. Not to mention the buttery soft tees and underwear with no itchy tags. Oh, I hate an itchy tag. And Bombas is like, don't worry about it. We do too. And look, the best thing about Bombas is that when you purchase an item, Bombas donates an item. That's right. Every time you buy their socks, tees, or underwear, you're also donating essential clothing to someone facing homelessness. To date, Bombas has donated over 100 million clothing items and counting. I mean, Bombas can make returns easy as well. I uh, don't know why you'd return anything because what? But they do have a 100% happiness guarantee. So if the dryer or your dog eats a sock or if you're unhappy with your purchase for virtually any reason, they'll do whatever they can to replace it and make it right. Bombas has a spring collection out right now. That means new colors and new fun. That's right. They have garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They got stripes. They got florals. They've got vintagey colored rib socks. You know, those like... You know, uh, stripes on the top of it. It's like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm a vintage uh, soccer player or track person. They've got those, too. And they even have a new pointel sock with a frilly cuff. You know, for all you frill seekers out there, folks, all I'm saying is you heard me talk about Bombas for years now. I don't know why you haven't done anything about it. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure. I'm Matt. I'm Dory. And uh, a, a fine day to you, good audience. <laughs> and to you. Um, what's new? What's new over here? Yeah. Well, I went to doctor. I went, well, I didn't go to the doctor. I went to the clinic. <laughs> do my business on Monday of last week. Tuesday. Tuesday. It was a uh, prime park. It's bought out front. Oh, nice. Nice meter situation. Oh, we love that. Then I was like. Oh, God, I don't have a mask. I have to dig through my golf bag. So I like, had to pull my golf bag out of the, uh, what do you call it, out of the trunk and start digging for a mask. Found one. Then put the bag in. Then went in with my backpack. Had my laptop, you know, because uh, quite frankly, prepared. I can't trust their curation. <laughs> And you brought your noise-canceling headphones. You were really prepared. 
Well, you know, at some point you've just you've you've just done it so many times <laughs> that uh, you know they say, "Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, you're yeah. an idiot." Mm-hmm. Um, so that was good. I rode the elevator up with a couple, youngish couple that both seemed to have a you know and good sense of humor that I assumed that they were listeners of the podcast, but I don't know. They didn't say anything. Don't you think if they were, they would have said something? I don't know. Maybe they felt weird about it. Maybe. Was the clinic- I certainly would have, wouldn't be like, hey, do you listen to my podcast? So, But someone would might be like, hey, are you Matt Myra? Well, I had a mask on. So I, mean, I think you're still pretty recognizable. And, you're, and if they listen, your voice is definitely recognizable. Uh, hmm, I don't know. Anyway. That was, that, and then I was, uh... Was it crowded? What was the vibe like? Was it crowded? I mean, I think there were four people waiting to be seen. But not four people waiting for the jerk-off room. Uh, no. No, that room wasn't, that wasn't like, I think the last time I went, that was the situation was like, there was a guy yeah, I remember there was taking a... forever. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Which, you know, more power to you, but also, that's a flaw in the system of like... I shouldn't know that. Right. Totally. <laughs> Yikes. Ugh. But yeah, it's still right next to the lab. And if you want, you can listen to all the conversations that are happening all around <laughs> about what's what's for lunch or what time, you know, they're getting off uh, or <laughs> while you're trying to get off, folks. Oh, uh, boy. You'll be here all day. Um, anyway, you know. They check my ID a couple times, which is good. Make sure I'm me. <laughs> don't want any imposter sperm out there. No. I mean, we certainly don't. Maybe we do. Yeah, um, we do. How long How long does it take to get the results? I don't know. I just assume we'll get them when we go to Dr. Beck. Oh, we probably will. Yeah, you're probably right. Um. I'm sure that I could like sign into a patient portal, but I don't know how to do that. So, mm. so whatevs. Okay, all right. But anyway, that's the update on the IVF front this week. This coming week uh, on Friday, we have our appointment with DKB. Mm-hmm. It's true. We do. Can't wait to see how her son's Bitcoin mining operations going. <laughs> I mean, I assume they have solar at their house or else this would be a very expensive <laughs> situation. Well, it theoretically pays for itself, right? Yeah, I guess. You know, crypto. Sure, crypto. It's classic. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, this is interesting. I, you know, I saw... The sign, it opened up your mind. Well, did I talk about this last week that I saw... Um, I talked about this that I saw Dr. Brown... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, my um, pap smear was normal. Great. So, you know, we're good on that front too. Normal mammo, normal pap. Everything's normal up in here. Everything's lining up nicely for an excruciating time. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh,. What was I going to say? Oh, fun factoid. I don't know if you talked about this on your podcast, but 
I'd like to talk about it on this podcast. Okay. Dory was the maddest I've ever seen her. Well, not ever, but like the maddest I've seen her in a long time. When I came home from golf and she was scrambling to get ready for tennis. And I had done what I did not know was a terrible thing, everybody. I had thrown my clothes in the dryer with her clothes that were already in the dryer dry. I was like, oh, this will just, you know, I'll get my clothes dry. Hers will be nice and fresher, unwrinkled or whatever. And boy, oh boy, did she not like that. I was just the sin of sins. Shocked. She's like that. This would have so rude even occurred. And I'm just like, what are you talking to you about? To do. She's like, you just you don't even take them out of the dryer. And I was like, well, I, mean, I could, but like, why? Because like you know, sometimes too, what I'll do is I'll wash my clothes, and then I'll dry the other clothes, and then wash another load of my clothes like a day later, having never taken the clean clothes out of the dryer, I'll just throw them all in. Dry it again. <laughs> I mean, in fairness to me, your clothes were probably damp from my wet clothes going in there. Uh, yeah, but so they, I dried wouldn't, them. they wouldn't have been if you had just taken them out like a normal person. Oh my gosh, she was like just disgusted with my humanity. Or lack thereof, I guess. I was just like, who taught you to do this? This is like, this is like no one taught me. college I learned, I learned freshman on my own. behavior. <laughs> this is like, you never learned the etiquette. I'm sorry. Have you ever cleaned a dress shirt in your of life? Of doing laundry. Have you ever cleaned a dress shirt? What do you mean cleaned a dress shirt? Have you ever put a dress shirt in the washing machine and then dried it? I don't know. Hmm, interesting. Well, if you leave them in the dryer too long, they become very wrinkled again. Uh-huh. So you got to refresh. Okay, so what but do you do? You run them through the dryer again. You don't add wet clothes. You can, and it'll be a bonus. No. Because it'll be like, those get dry, and the other ones get de-wrinkled. No, this is, it's crazy talk. Also, you don't mix two people's clothes that get dried on different settings. This is another thing I didn't know. Dory dries her clothes on not dry low temperature whatever i mean tumble so dry low not that long because like my clothes it takes 46 minutes to dry i mean sometimes i run it through twice but well, that's probably because you're using a low temperature yeah but it's better for your Have clothes you of bringing up the heat no because it's better for your clothes to dry on a low temperature but like my clothes don't shrink so okay. i'm confused by what is happening to your clothes i just i, I just don't think you know how dryers work Okay, I think you're gaslighting me. I think you should be thankful that your clothes were fresher that morning. <laughs> you, where did you learn how to and gaslight? Also, like by this? the way, one of Henry's shirts was in there too, and this is after she was like, "You probably shrunk all my clothes," and I'm, "Hey, hate you." She didn't say, "I hate you." She's like, "You're ridiculous, so rude." And then I picked up one of the shirts that I hadn't seen Henry ever wear, and I was like, "Oh no." Is this one of Dory's I mean, that was shirts? Funny. <laughs> Did I truly shrink her shirt to the child size? No, it was Henry's. Uh, I just feel like it like it, it was just it was so beyond comprehension that I like I was like It was a very me way to react to Dory with like something that in your brain you think is common sense. 
and then someone does something the complete opposite of common sense to you. But you felt it, right? I felt what? The immense frustration and unknowing, like, what do you do with this person? Like, you felt that, did you not? That's what you expressed to me. Uh-huh. That's how I get. Uh-huh. So, I get you. Okay. You get me. Yep. All right. I mean, I think this was like a big opening in our relationship, like a big breakthrough. You do? Yes, because you reacted like I do all the time. Oh, so so you have more empathy for me is what you're saying. No, no, I was hoping you had more empathy for me. Mm. But I do have empathy. I understood. I completely, I said to you, mm-hmm. I was like, I get it. Mm-hmm. Will you do that ever again? No. Okay. Why would I do that again? I don't know. You reacted in such a way. I did. If you were like, oh my God, these clothes are so soft. Uh-huh. And not a wrinkle to be seen. Uh-huh. I'd do it again. Sure. To help. Please never do it again. Oh, no, I know. But like, also, is that a big deal? Anybody else out there? I bet it's not. Thanks for listening. I'm curious. Okay. We'll see. We'll see what people's reaction well, is. I thought I'd bring it up because I think you might be like so ashamed of it that you wouldn't even bring it up on your podcast. Like have such shame that your husband would be so stupid. Um, that you would feel that you couldn't even bring it up on your show. No, I think I would bring it up in the context of like, can you believe this? Like, have you ever heard of such a thing? I feel like Kate would get it. I mean, she'd be like, I, I throw stuff in all the time. It's fine. I feel yes. I was gonna say it could go one of two ways. Oh, I think it goes the way I'm saying it goes. I feel like I feel like I know Kate. Like I feel like I like. Why? Because you both have ADHD. Like we 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 get each other. Uh huh. You're both people pleasers. Our own weirdness. Uh huh. And like with drying clothes, it's like who cares? Mm. I mean, there's some things about Kate that I'm just like, well, I don't understand that. Sure, sure. But most of the time, it's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Mm. anybody out there like to dry things and then and then forget they're in there and then. Do more laundry and then see that the other things are there and then dry them. Also, it's like less um, efficient for the dryer to have wet and dry clothes in there. Of course it is. But I'm not the dryer. Mm. You also don't look at our electricity bills. Never. Yeah. I mean, you're in a room that probably generates a gajillion kilowatt hours. Yes, I'll show you our electricity bills the next time they come. They are outrageous. Well, that's just, we're being gouged by LADPW. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I fixed Henry's, I tried to fix Henry's sink yesterday. I think it's beyond Drano. Uh, well, it, did you not? I heard you exclaiming. Like, Well, because I was pulling, <laughs> I was, pu- I pulled the pipes apart. Oh. Like I, un- I, like the the uh, whatever gate, you know. I pulled that pipe, that cover off, uh-huh. and it's like not in the line between the sinks. It's actually deeper, and my snake wasn't long enough to get in there. Oh, wait! You mean something in our house was wonky? Everything is. It's the fun of a rental. Anyway, I hope you're all doing well. Uh, Do you think our landlord did all the work on his on our on this house himself? No, but I think he hired the same three cheapest uh, tradespeople. Mm-hmm. Or he hired reasonable tradespeople 
1990. But insisted on <laughs> them doing it the way they didn't want to do it. Mm. Which I think is much more likely. Mm-hmm. Like, no, we can't do that. You should really replace all of this. And well, well, what will what will make it work right now? Right. This if I replace this one piece, but the rest of it's gonna go. Replace the one piece. You gotta talk into the mic. I can't tell because it's so. These are so. Oh. Low that I don't know. That's why I asked you if we sounded good. Well, All right. Okay. If I sound low, it's my fault. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> but that's what I think. I'm just going to turn this up and see if that helps me. Oh, no, no, no. That's way too loud. Oh, I disagree. I think that sounds perfect now. No, it's way well, too it's loud. Well, because these are like four ohm headphones. Okay. I don't know what that means. All right. Uh, anyway, if you want to write to us, you can do so. Go ahead, Dory. Uh, Matt and Dory at Gmail or Dory and Matt at Gmail. You can call or text us at 413-461-BABY. And uh, you can join the Excellent Adventure Facebook group. Oh, no. I unplugged the wrong headphones. Yeah, this is a disaster. You're going to have to cut this part. And we'll be right back. I'm not cutting it. They need to see us be real. Okay. Or hear it. What? Bye. Be right back. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your sock drawer looking? Is it scary? Maybe it's time for a spring cleaning and refresh. Bombas just dropped a bunch of absurdly soft new socks, tees, and underwear to help you get that drawer in a better place while doing a little bit of good. Look, when I open up my uh, sock drawer and I see a clean pair of Bombas sitting on top, not only do my feet sort of jump for joy, but like... I can't wait to get them on my feet because I know they're going to be cozy. I know they're going to be the best socks in the house. And I know that they're going to keep me going all day long. They've got some great details that have been obsessed over, including the honeycomb arch support, which I love. Anti-blister tabs, which I also love. What that is, it's a little bit of the heel that goes up a little, just a just a smidge higher. Like in a, whatever the perfect amount higher is, that's how high it goes. Bombas has figured this out. Uh, and they've got cushioned footbeds that feel like little pillows on your feet. Not to mention the buttery soft tees and underwear with no itchy tags. Oh, I hate an itchy tag. And Bombas is like, don't worry about it. We do too. And look, the best thing about Bombas is that when you purchase an item, Bombas donates an item. That's right. Every time you buy their socks, tees, or underwear, you're also donating essential clothing to someone facing homelessness. To date, Bombas has donated over 100 million clothing items and counting. I mean, Bombas can make returns easy as well. 
I uh, don't know why you'd return anything because what? But they do have a 100% happiness guarantee. So if the dryer or your dog eats a sock or if you're unhappy with your purchase for virtually any reason, they'll do whatever they can to replace it and make it right. Bombas has a spring collection out right now. That means new colors and new fun. That's right. They have garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They got stripes. They got florals. They've got vintagey colored rib socks. You know, those like you know, uh, stripes on the top of it. It's like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm a vintage uh, soccer player or track person. They've got those too. And they even have a new pointel sock with a frilly cuff. You know, if for all you frill seekers out there, folks, all I'm saying is you heard me talk about Bombas for years now. I don't know why you haven't done anything about it. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. We're back, everybody. Hello. Your clothes are dry. <laughs> and your sperm count is high. Good night. What's new, everybody? What do we got, Dory? Well, we have got an email from Heather, who writes, Hi, man, Dory. Longtime listener to Forever 35 and new-ish to excellent. First off, thanks for all you do. And I hope you both keep on talking about Disney, hot dogs, jerk-off rooms, dogs and babies, and whatever the F else you want for a long time to come. I'm here for it all. And Dory's recent commentary in both pods about not everything being for everyone was a great reminder for us all. Okay. Now on to the other stuff. My husband and I have experienced unexplained recurrent pregnancy loss since 2018, including one second trimester loss, two first trimester losses, and two chemical pregnancies. No live births. I'm 37. Oh, sorry. That sounds miserable. Um, Okay. Uh, Pretty sure we have both had every workup under the sun at this point, and we are tired Two questions I would love to get input on from you and your community. One, we haven't done IVF yet and are trying to figure out if slash when to do so. Do we try naturally once more? Do we skip right to IVF? Seems like genetic testing of embryos would be one of the primary draws of IVF for us given our repeat unexplained losses, but the latest discussion on the pod about PGS testing makes me question the utility of that testing and IVF in a case like ours. Interested in how others have navigated the decision about when and if to use IVF for recurrent miscarriage and any related thoughts from you and your community. Two, the RE we saw recently did an in-office hysteroscopy on me and saw micropolyps. Biopsy came back negative for endometritis. I also had a prior hysteroscopy under anesthesia back in October with my regular OB who did not find any micropolyps. The new RE now wants me to have another hysteroscopy under anesthesia to remove the micropolyps she saw during the in-office procedure before we try to conceive naturally or through IVF again. This would be my third UGH hysteroscopy in six months. And the RE hasn't been able to cite anything convincing about the effect of micropolyps and whether this truly warrants the risk of another surgery. It seems like this isn't something there is much literature on. My gut is telling me I don't want or need another surgery, but there is another doubting part of me that is questioning. So my questions are, has anyone in the community had experience with micropolyps related? Uh, Any general tips for how to know when to trust your gut given the constant barrage of info from different doctors? Thanks to you both. Um, look, info is just their best guess. That's what doctors do. They guess. They It's like, you know, the data's telling me that it's probably this, but they, they don't know anything for sure. 
Well, that's why, yeah, they're try- They're always trying out things. Yeah. They're like, let me take the cap off of this pipe. Let's see if I can get that snake down there. <laughs> you are basically a doctor. Why is there so much sand in your fallopian tube? <laughs> okay. So, that said, real answers for you. Do you have a real answer for it? I mean, it's if I sounds like it's like I don't know. I get it, like the whole not wanting to do more hysteroscopies and surgeries and such like that. I get it in as much as I can as a person who does not have to have his cross hysteroscopies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that said, why not have a as smooth a runway as possible. Mm-hmm. I had polyps. I don't, or I had a polyp that got, that I had to get removed. Yeah. Um. That nobody saw. No, it got picked up on the HSG. Until when? The HSG. Which was when? Which was when we were first starting, before we'd even gone to Oh, well then what CFP. did Dr. Beck do? She did a hysteroscopy and, and found, found the septum. The septum. That was the other thing. Yes. Um, I mean, I had two hysteroscopies, one surgical in the span of about three weeks. So, you know, I feel you. Um, look, I mean, I think, you know, at least in my experience, our our doctor always wants to, you know, cross the t's and dot the i's and like make sure your uterus is like in prime condition the most hospitable it can be for an embryo make the uterus guterus yes they say that all the time in fact what she says um so you know i think if your re is saying that you should do this hysteroscopy i would probably do it now, I guess my question is, if you are already seeing an RE, what do they say about going about doing IVF? Have they suggested maybe doing a medi- like a medicated IUI? Um, like, what are your options here? I guess is what I'm curious about. I, you know, I'm just thinking of two friends I know who each had had three miscarriages. One they went straight to IVF. One they did a medicated IUI, and that worked. Or no, I don't even think it was medicated IUI. I think they just gave her like Clomid and that and that helped and it worked and she had a baby. Um, so, you know, there are, I think there are options besides IVF. You could try those. You could ask your doctor um, what those should be. At this point, I would, I would be more inclined to listen to an RE versus an OB. Uh, OBs are not, like really trained on infertility stuff. Um, so I would defer to your OBs RE on this. are more hoo-ha health. But they're also about like making sure your pregnancy is healthy. They're not so much about getting you pregnant as they are about like keeping you pregnant and making sure you have a healthy mm. birth. Hmm. Good to know. So, I mean, just like you wouldn't ask you know, I wouldn't ask Dr. Beck to like deliver my baby. I would. I think she'd be great at it. Mm, I mean, she could probably she could probably do it, but sure. you know, it's not it's not her like area I mean, of expertise. I could do it too. 
I've seen Worf do it on Star Trek. Oh, then you're definitely well prepared. Yes. Um, well, I hope that helps. And if, if listeners have any thoughts on this, please let us know. Um, we have some voicemails, so I'm going to need the voicemail apparatus, please. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a large much. cone that we drop over Dory's computer. <laughs> all right. That was the weirdest laugh. That was like a Henry laugh. <laughs> uh, all right. Here is a, we're going to move on to this question of PGS testing because um, we've been talking about this lately and we have some feedback. Hi, Matt and Dory. This is Rebecca from Cincinnati, Ohio. I was calling in sort of belatedly for the PGS testing conversation. Um, I just wanted to share some insight that my former RE shared with us when we were going through our IVF cycle. Um, he sort of framed the PGS testing option as something you use when you're trying to choose among a lot of embryos to decide which one to transfer um, in your transfer round, um, for a situation like mine, um, you know, we had been planning on PGS testing everything when we sort of decided to go the IVF route. But then when, uh, when it was all said and done after my retrieval cycle, we didn't have that many embryos that were, that were making it. Um, and so we got to the point where our RE said, you know, these embryos, some of your embryos are resting pretty fast or not fertilizing. And we're just concerned that maybe, the embryos will do better, do better in your body as opposed to letting us continue to let them, you know, sort of grow here in the, in the lab. So, you know, they recommended doing a fresh transfer, um, for two of the embryos on, you know, day two after my retrieval. Um, those two didn't work. Um, but, you know, we let the, our little last remaining embryo, the third one, um, that one made it to day five blastocyst. We froze her. Didn't test her, and but 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 because she was the only one we had left, we took his advice that we would just not test it since we wanted to transfer her back anyway, um, take our chances, and we ended up getting pregnant. Um, so uh, I hope that's helpful for people, just sort of framing it in terms of like maybe you only use it if you have more embryos than um, than you thought, or if you if you really feel like you need to use it to make a decision. But otherwise, you know, maybe it's useful to to forego it completely and take your chances if you don't have that many left. So um, I hope that's helpful. Um, we, it's my, uh, I don't know how many square feet the house is. I'll take meters. In, but, you know, we're temporarily staying with my parents in their suburban four-bedroom house with me, my husband, two daughters, and a cat. Uh, so, and, and no hot dogs so far in 2022. Thank you. No dogs, no dogs, no diggity dogs. Um, I mean, I have heard this too, uh, just in the sense of people saying... Is it fair to call it anecdotal or is it empirical? I think this is anecdotal um, of like, if you get one embryo from your round, like there is a school of thought that says not to test it, to just like put it in versus if you got like five embryos... Yeah, I mean, it's also like, well, if you get one and you test it and it's like a three out of five, of course you're transferring it anyway. So why why waste the Yeah, I think that's not... right, right. So that's my school of thought, which has been helped by other points of view from the podcast listeners. <laughs> Indeed. Um, well, thank you for this perspective. We got, excuse me, we got another um, voicemail about. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's play it. Okay. Hey, Matt and Dory. 
Um, I paused the pod to call about the PGS testing. Um, so I was, I went through this myself. Um, I have a five month old science baby. So I wanted to share my experience. What happened with me is, um, we were at CCRM, one of the locations in other states, not the Colorado locations. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I was able to get three PGS tested embryos and none took. I had two chemical pregnancies and one just didn't stick. And CCRM just didn't work for us as a clinic. I, you know, nothing against them. It just wasn't right for us. So we were lucky to live in um, the Boston area and so we switched to one of the amazing hospitals. And we met with my wonderful RE who talked to us about PGS testing and she disagreed with CCRM's decision to always PGS test. Um, because she didn't think it was always necessary and CCRM does really strongly make you PGS test. Um, I guess it's possible to say no. <laughs> we didn't because we were completely new and had no idea. Um, and just kind of went along with what they said. Um, our RE was amazing, and she suggested we talk to a genetic counselor affiliated with the hospital, which we did. And um, if you have the opportunity to do that, I highly, highly recommend it. I still don't understand everything she said, but she went through everything in the pros and cons, and at the end of the day, we decided to do it because I was 43, and, you know, I had old eggs, and so after hearing all the information, we decided to do it. And um, it the egg did stick, and now I have a, or the embryo did stick, and I now have a five-month-old baby who doesn't sleep. But I'm really glad I talked to this genetic counselor about it, and I do kind of think that some places there is a push to do the PGS testing because it is expensive and insurance doesn't cover it. Again, I'm not putting down any clinics out there. It's just a feeling I have. Um, my understanding of PGS testing after yes. talking to the genetic counselor, and I'm not saying that this is based in a lot of science, it's kind of like this. A PGS tested embryo kind of looks like a model. You know, you see a beautiful model like on a billboard and you're like, wow, she's gorgeous or he's gorgeous. But you don't know if they have heart disease or a blood clot or something like that. Um, you know, it looks great from the outside. You don't know what's in the inside. And when you PGS test, I do believe it's just for, they just do a, you know, five or six cells. They don't do the whole thing. So you really, you really don't know. So sometimes is she telling me that um, PGS tested embryos that are like top rated are going to be the prettiest? <laughs> I don't know, but she got cut off. So I'm going to play uh, her second voicemail. This is Bonnie again. I always said if I ever called into the pod that I wouldn't go over and then I did. How embarrassing. But anyway, those are my thoughts on PGS tested embryos. I think it's a really good idea to talk to a genetic counselor if you can. I am living in Boston, Boston, Mass, um, with uh, my husband, my five-month-old baby, science baby, uh, three cats, mm. zero, hot, uh, zero hot dogs, because I don't like them, <laughs> and um, sorry, Matt, and I don't know how many feet are in our house. Not, not enough, square feet, not enough. Anyway, thank you. Love the pod. Keep it going. Bye. Don't know how many you have, but you know how many more you need. Indeed. Um, 
yeah, so I, I don't know. I thought I thought these perspectives on PGS testing were valuable. Uh, I like I like I like it. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like a Camry, like a like a ninety five Toyota Camry that's still running two hundred thousand miles. But you know, you look at like a ninety five, uh, whatever. Let's say like a. Ferrari. It's probably had an engine replacement already. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sure. That didn't make any sense. No. So. <laughs> um. All right. Well, I'm sure we will have more to, more people weighing in on this topic. But for now, we are going to move on to the topic that came up last week about embryo donation and mm-hmm. embryo adoption. Do you remember someone wrote in and whose husband was worried that the couple who adopted their embryos, they wouldn't, annoying. Yeah, they wouldn't like them. Yeah. Okay. So we got some feedback on this. This is from Casey. Greetings, excellent pod. In response to the listener with concerns about embryo donation, <clears throat> we are also looking to donate unused embryos and prefer the open relationship primarily because any child born from those embryos would be a full genetic dibbling, donor sibling. Not looking for an extended family relationship, but it feels like the kids... Uh, feel like the kids might want to be able to connect at some point, And what if any of them develops a medical condition that the others should know about? It seems unwise to close that door preemptively. I imagine there are those who, have, who would have trouble letting go of their genetic material into another family, and they should certainly give those feelings due examination before proceeding. Maybe talk with a therapist who specializes in reproductive issues. In our case, our embryos were the result of egg donation. We did the pre-cycle talk therapy and spent some time processing the idea of transferring genetic material outside of the donor's control. It is critical to internalize the knowledge that your shared genetic material is not what makes a baby your child. Hope that helps, KC. Uh, thank you, KC. I mean, look. These full sibling what are they called diblings diblings yes diblings i don't know i have a lot of full siblings and sometimes i'm like how are we related (laughs) anyway thank you um all right we got another email about this from anonymous hi dory matt i prefer to remain anonymous done okay i'm writing in response to the person who wrote last week asking your thoughts on open embryo adoption my wife and i are in the same spot two science babies two embryos left and looking into embryo donation that said we have also been paralleling our ivf journey with an adoption journey because we assumed ivf wouldn't work so we have learned and thought a lot about the questions they raised about selecting the family and the concept of open adoption be it of an embryo or a child I agree with Dory that people who enter into adoption agreements, no matter the kind and no matter how open or closed, need to accept that they are relinquishing control and even awareness. Adoption is forever. Lives change in ways we can't imagine, and we have to accept that. I think the concerns expressed by the writer slash writer's husband and therefore Matt's interpretation of open are a bit extreme. It isn't necessarily appropriate to get to know a family well enough to know if you can, quote, stand them. In the majority of cases, the openness is mostly about the child having the opportunity to meet their biological relations at some point. Maybe there are some photo sharing sites set up or annual life updates, but those are or should be agreed to ahead of time. Speaking of which, if the writer is interested, there are lots of templates online for post-adoption contact agreements that she might be able to pull from to try to develop something she and her husband would feel good about, though they will be far more detailed than what would be common for an embryo adoption. Excited to hear other people's thoughts on this as my wife and I get started as well. 
Um, How does that make you feel, Matt? I I don't know. I, I, like in the middle of that, I had something and then I lost it. Hang on, I'm rereading it. I think it's in control. Mm. Was it about like when you talk about it being open, it's not like you're all one family. It's like, you know what I mean? Like you're just, it's more just like information and like the possibility of being able to meet. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't, the, the whole adoption uh, contract thing, it's, it's sort of fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Like what? What that means? Like, I think I have a very old idea of adoption. What is your idea of adoption? Um, the baby doesn't know who their biological parents are, and neither do the people who adopted the baby. <laughs> yeah, I think that's very old. You know what I mean? And then, like, you don't even know what city they came from. You're just like, you just, you know, disappear into the night. Yeah, no, I think that's a pretty outdated... Um, what about um, child in a basket left at a fire department? I mean, that still happens. And a lot of cities have, um, I think they're called safe haven right. laws. Usually like at a fire department or... Yeah. Um, and those children still, like that still happens. Um, and I know in a lot of states you can you can like apply to do a safe haven adoption because like those kids need homes obviously yeah Yeah. um so yeah i mean that's definitely a thing that that still happens Mm. what about when the stork brings a baby well i mean isn't that just the normal way yeah but like the stork's always like stork doesn't give you a long song and dance it just goes here's a baby oh the stork speaks english yeah. Oh. What do you think? The stork doesn't speak English? I don't know. I thought the stork spoke stork. The stork speaks English and, and loves pickles. Wow. Classics. This is really blowing my mind. Um, You know, we should probably take another break. Okay. We can do that. Okay. You know, whatever. I'm just freewheeling. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm the most easygoing guy you've ever met. Oh, okay. Where's my husband? He is busy. Oh, all right. Not being easy. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Going. <laughs> We've returned. Hello. Hi. Um, okay. Anonymous writes, I wrote back in November 2020 about my complete uterine septum. I have an exciting update. What is it? My septum was inoperable because it had too much of a blood supply and my OB was concerned about resection. My husband and I decided to take the leap to try and get pregnant in July 2021 we conceive very quickly and I'm currently 38 weeks pregnant. I haven't had any issues yet with my septum, but I'm a bit anxious about birth. My OB was somewhat encouraging. Um, a schedule. 
Way to go. Way to do it. Oh, okay. A scheduled C-section in case of tearing and or bleeding of the septum or other complications. However, I'm going to try and labor to see how it goes. I feel like scheduling a C-section just in case isn't enough of a reason for me. My OB has been supportive. Any insights or suggestions from other septies? Welcome. I'd suggest you schedule a C-section. <laughs> I did not know that if you had a complete septum that like you would just have these like you would have like an easy pregnancy. I didn't even know that that was possible. I would schedule a C-section. Matt, a person who does not have a uterus, would schedule not. a C-section. But I have, you know, feelings. <laughs> you have opinions. I have feelings. Uh-huh. You know? Yep. I just know that, like, my wife desperately did not want an unscheduled C-section. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, but we could avoid the thing you don't want. By just scheduling one. But there was no indication that I, I would need one. Honey. Yes. I know. But we've I don't want one... to I don't want to relitigate this. This I'm is a not... very annoying conversation to me. And I don't want to talk I'm not about this. Relitigating it. You are. I'm just simply saying the thing. What did what did your doctor what did your doctor say to you? What did what did Dr. Brown say to you? She'd deliver probably maybe deliver the baby if what? That's this time around. Yeah, I know. But what did she say? If I had a scheduled C-section That's because all. she's not delivering anymore. That's all. So what's your point? Just saying these schedules make everything so much easier. You love a schedule. Mm. All right. Look, if we could schedule labor, I'd do it. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Okay. It's not about the it's not about the C-section or not C-section. It's about the You just don't like the uncertainty. Yeah, that is the part where it's like terrifying to me. Yeah, I get it. Um. All right. Well, as someone who actually doesn't operate on a schedule very well, actually, that's not true. I love a schedule when I have one. I just can't make one. Mm. Okay. Anyway. All right. Um. Let's hear another voicemail. Okay, that's no problem. Now I just realized something. Yeah. Um. That oh. This person called twice, and I was confused about which voicemail um, I was going to play. Great. Let me open up the hails. Hi, this is Ellie calling again. I just left a voicemail that I feel like was bad. And I did want to follow up on one thought I I should have prepared before I left the message. Uh, When the doctor handed us the baby and we realized it was actually a girl, as much as I was excited because I had wanted a girl, there was a part of me that had a new disappointment of, this person that I thought I was bonding with during the pregnancy just like was gone. Like it felt like I had abandoned this little boy. Um, and maybe that's why I'm now more interested in having another kid. Um, so I guess maybe that speaks to the fact that like at the end of the day, there's still a person in there that you're excited to meet, whether it's uh, the gender that you hoped it would be or not. Um, so it'll all work out in the end one way or another. Okay. That's all. Thanks. Bye. Well, I mean, I guess I guess we got it all from that second. Yeah, we kind of did. That was why we only played that one. Gotcha. Um, thank you for that, Ellie. All right, Monroe. I mean, that's interesting. So we're forming a like a relationship with the with the baby with yes, the with the fetus. You know. I guess we knew because of the genetic testing. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we did. So it was never like surprise. No, I'm Henry. Right. Right. Well, it was like surprise. I look like an old man, and I'm cranky looking, so I'm named Henry. <laughs> that was a surprise. 
I'll tell you what else was a surprise when all of his black hair fell out and then he had blonde, like super blonde hair for a little while. I mean, it's pretty blonde right now. It was, it was like white though at first. Yeah, but like compare it to my gray hair and your dark hair. Yeah, it's very light, especially in the sun. Like we walk around, it's like they were probably like, you're watching your sibling's kid or something or like, where'd this child come from? Yeah, his coloring is like, much Not mine. closer to my siblings' children. That's true. I guess those Shafrir genes are strong. They are apparently. I mean, when you're ninety eight point eight percent Ashkenazi, you can't fight it. Yeah, we just dominate. Yep. <laughs> All the Iberian pushed away. Yep. Sorry. Bye. Well, you. Sorry, olive skin that doesn't mind the sun. <sighs> All right. Um, Monroe wrote in on a different topic. Um, hi, Dory and Matt. Hope you're having a nice start to spring. Also, Dory, I've been listening to the audiobook of Thanks for Waiting and am enjoying it. I'm so excited to become a father in the hopefully near future, but wanted to hear some people's experiences with mental illness and preparing to have a child. I've heard many experiences on raising a child while dealing with mental illness, but am mainly worried about the impact my mental illness can have on my loved ones in the time leading up to the baby being born. For instance, I have obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD. And although it has been pretty stable for a decade, thanks to medication, intrusive thoughts still could get to me really bad. Such as in the weeks leading up to my wedding, the worst thoughts would pop into my head of such horrible slash sad things happening on the day of the wedding. This happens in general for me with events slash times that are supposed to be happy or celebratory. I also am autistic, which although not a mental illness does not help with controlling my intrusive thoughts. I've consistently been in therapy and definitely will be during this whole process, so that should help, but I wanted to see if any listeners have any experience dealing with mental illness um, being exacerbated during the time leading up to their baby being born. I'm not as much worried about getting rid of the thoughts as I am of making sure I don't hurt my loved ones in the process, especially my wife, who will be carrying the baby. Thank you both for what you do. Best Monroe in upstate New York with a wonderful wife and two cats, vegetarians with zero hot dogs, but I'm curious as to what my count was back when I ate meat. I did enjoy hot dogs, Hebrew National. I don't count those Hebrew nationals. <laughs> they're all beef. Mm. It's the only fucking kind of hot dog you can get out here. Wow. Dodger dogs are Hebrew national. Did you know that, everybody? Must have been a Sandy Koufax thing. They were like, don't worry, Sandy. We'll keep kosher at the park for you. <laughs> Please just pitch on uh, Yom, Yom Kippur. Kippur. <laughs> and he's like, sorry, still can't do it. Uh, anyway. What do you think about this? I mean, I, this I didn't know this was I, I didn't know having uh, thoughts of like horrible, sad things that could happen on a happy day was a sign of OCD because I have those all the time. Do you have OCD? I don't. Not that I'm not diagnosed. Okay. I'm just saying, like, I that I get for mm-hmm. sure. I always think about the sad thing or the way things could break real bad. Mm-hmm. But I'm secure in the knowledge that it likely won't. So that's just sort of how I get by. You, on the other hand, sounds like you're medicated, seeing a therapist still. Yeah, so what would you advise I would this say person? be open about your fears of this particular aspect with your wife. Be like, hey, just so we're all aware, I do not want to be doing this. Here's what I'm worried about doing. In the meantime, I'll continue to see my therapist, stay on my meds, and we'll hope for the best. 
Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I mean, just like in the sense of like, you want to be prepared, but as my literary agent likes to say, don't borrow trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, like know that this could be an issue for you, but like don't get so wrapped up in the possibilities of what might happen that you like it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy you know what i mean yeah of course so which of course is easier said than done but i think you know if you are able to talk about this with your therapist then um, hot dog then yeah hot dog hot dog um all right but i'd be curious to hear from other people especially from non-carrying partners and kind of how they navigated this all right last week we heard from a listener who's five month old i believe is going to be watched um by her mom and i think her mother-in-law worried about screen time was it it was screen time. It was just sort of like general parenting philosophy stuff. Like, could she trust the moms to adhere to her wishes, essentially? Right. And we were like, not really. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we got some responses about this. Sarah says, I'm writing in response to the question last week about whether grandparents will actually honor your wishes or if letting them do their thing is just the cost of free child care as long as the child is safe. In my experience, it is often the latter. We are extremely fortunate to have both sets of grandparents in town. They don't watch him every day, but it's nice to get an occasional date night. From the beginning, we laid down the law on non-negotiable rules like safe sleep, but we learned quickly that the grandparents are really just going to do whatever they want. They let him get away with way more than we do, most related to the phone and snacks, and I've had a few occasions where I've had to rein in my, and this is like the grimace emoji, uh, face after hearing something that they let him do or eat while we were gone. On the big stuff, though, we didn't budge. My mother-in-law made it very clear that she was opposed to sleep training. We did Ferber very successfully. So during that time, we wouldn't have her babysit at night. Simple as that. Other things we've just had to let go. We limit Miss Rachel to teeth brushing and diaper changes, but she'll let him just sit and watch it. My husband has tried to talk to her about it, and she's just like, I couldn't take it away. It made him so happy. I'm with your uh, mother. (laughs) This sounds like some classic boomer parenting of course it did and we're now the mean parents who have to literally pry look we are the product of boomer parents the phone can't have been that bad out of his hands i just think you know there's some boundary issues well i think that also like i you know I, i when it comes to like the tv stuff there's some content I think that is like genuinely helpful for the child learning concepts that might be difficult for one parent to articulate or two parents to articulate to a child like teamwork, et cetera, friendship, uh, problem solving, stuff like that. And I think, you know, sitting the kid down on a Saturday morning, a couple episodes of Mickey's clubhouse, we're good to go. I mean, I also think like That's things like me. teamwork and like those are, those are learned in like real life. I know, but you can also be prepared for it. Yeah, I guess. It could also be like, why not why not have the edge? <laughs> um I mean, I'm just saying. Like, oh, like, I haven't finished reading this email. Can counting to twelve, it? you know, we all know how to do that. Thanks to that song on Sesame Street. 
But screen time isn't the end of the world, and the bottom line is that he was safe and cared for, which is really all that counts. So my advice is to pick your battles. Let them know you're very serious about any non-negotiable rules, but don't sweat the small stuff. Grandparents are going to grandparent. I just try to focus on how lucky we are that my son has gotten to spend so much time with his. Thanks for keeping the pod going. Sarah in 2,500 square feet in St. Louis, two adults, one toddler, still just that single Costco hot dog, but I can't remember if it was in 2021 or 2022. We'll take the calendar year of 365 days from today. So, <laughs> um, Yeah, I think this is smart that like if you have like a couple things that are like your absolute non-negotiables, those are like the hills you die on, whether that's safe sleep or oh, you know what I mean? Sleep training thing. I mean, you can't get that. You can't have that get fucked up. Right. In the so I think it. this was really smart what you did. Um, but yeah, don't sweat the small stuff. That seems very smart. Um, all right, we got a voicemail about this as well. Hey, Matt and Dory. This is Emily calling from the D.C. area. I paused the pod about the question um, with a five-month-old whose grandmothers are going to be watching them this spring, and we have been in a very similar situation. We've got two little ones, and my husband and I are both teachers, and we've been really lucky that both, for the first year of both kids' lives, we've had grandparents step in when my maternity leave ends so that the child doesn't have to go to daycare until next school year. So my son will be three months when his grandma start watching him in April until I get out of school in June. And I've kind of had to have the mindset that Dory suggested, which is, and Matt, which is just, you know, you're lucky to have free childcare and that your kid is safe and loved. Um, I don't think, I mean, I know everyone feels passionately about their own screen time preferences, but Personally, I don't think that screen time, like the TV being on around a kid, is the same as screen time, like a child-specific program that sucks your kid in and makes them like a zombie when they're that young. Um, we are a big sports household, so there's almost always a sporting event on the TV, and our boys will like come and go, look at it occasionally, move on with their lives. Um, well, that's the one that's mobile does. The other one just like probably can't even see that far yet. I'm not sure. Um, so I would say to the grandmas, you know, please don't put on Sesame Street, but if you're watching the news or a baseball game during the middle of the day, like, no big deal. Um, and as far as I'm not getting enough floor time, I think Dory's idea to set a space up for them is really great, because I think a lot of times what prohibits people from doing that is, like, they're worried their floor's not clean, they don't want to just throw the baby down and have nothing for them to do, so, like, an engaging, fun-looking space. Um, is really helpful. Also, I don't know the listeners' um, grandmothers' ages or anything, but I know one of my son's grandmothers is older, and so she's not as able to, like, be on the floor as my mom, his younger, is. So I respect that. I'm like, you know what? You want to cuddle with the kid? That's really happy. That'll make the kid happy. It's good for their development, too. Thank you for not charging me to watch my kids. So that's what I think. Um, I'm not going to give my stats. I called a couple weeks ago. I'm the one with the 170-pound mastiff who you couldn't believe doesn't eat the food off the counter. And when we had her trained, they said, this is an exceptionally lazy dog, the laziest wow. they've ever seen. So I'm not even sure she knows she could lift her front paws off the ground. To reach the <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Love the pod. Thank you. Bo uh, is lazy with bursts of energy. Uh, that's accurate. I mean, maybe he's just he just knows that he knows that he has it in him, so he doesn't need to show off. 
Oh, that's funny. Um. Anyway, I mean, like, he'll like fully. If we're not in the room and we've left Henry's food on the table, he'll fully get up on the table and start eating it. Mm, yeah, that's true. But it's like he waits until we're totally yeah, yeah. He checks distracted. To make sure the coast is clear. Yeah. Like I've 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 gone to my office and Dory's with Henry in the playroom or something, and then inevitably, or Henry and I are outside and Dory's gone to her office. Then that's when the food goes. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, I saw him last night stocking the table. I was like, Bo, I'm in here. You can't do that. I'm doing dishes. <laughs> He's waiting for his chance. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, thanks, everyone, for this feedback. And look, grandparents, we appreciate you. I mean, sure. <laughs> okay. Great. Um. All right, we have a. Nuh-uh. Yeah, we do. Oh. Yeah, we have a, a voice memo. Hi, Matt and Dory. Um, my name's Amanda. I'm from Missouri, and I just had a question for you guys. I um, I was listening to this l- most recent episode, and you were talking about Henry um, needing to go to the bathroom when you put him down for a nap, and you told him to yell for you if he needed to go, and it just reminded me. Um, I don't know why I haven't thought to call in sooner, but, um, my little guy is a couple months younger than Henry. Um, and we potty trained in December, um, and he's doing super well. Um, moved him to a toddler bed, um, a few months after we potty trained, or I guess a couple months after we potty trained and it's been going pretty well, but, um, recently he has just decided to start getting up in the night. Um, I think just because he can, I'm, I'm not really sure why. Um, at first it was because he had to go potty and he would go potty for us. Um, but now he just gets out of bed and basically just wants us to put him back into bed and then he might get up later. He might not. But I was just wondering if you have experienced this with Henry or if any of your listeners um, could help us. I'm just not sure what to do at this point. I obviously, you know, want him to tell me if he needs to go potty. Um, but I also think that he is just getting up because he can. So my question is, is how do you guys keep your toddler in their toddler beds when they can just have the freedom to get out? Um, it doesn't seem like anything that we are doing is working. Um, he, you know, we have the same bedtime routine as we've always had since he was an infant. Um, he used to be such a good sleeper. Um, he was so easy to put down. Um, he would just, we would do our nighttime routine. You'd put him in his crib he would go to sleep and not wake up for 11 to 12 hours and it was magical. Um, and now obviously that's not, that's not happening. Um, and he's also fighting to go to bed too. So anyway, I was just wondering if you or your listeners had any tips for us. Um, again, my name is Amanda. I'm living in Missouri, uh, 3,700 square feet. Um, probably four or five hot dogs this year. Um, they were the beef kind because my husband won't buy the other kind. He doesn't like pork at all. Oh. I know, I know. Oh. So anyway, I hope you guys are having an amazing week. And you guys, thank and your you. ribs. What does he do about St. Louis ribs? Anyway, <laughs> uh, Henry's still in his crib. 
Yeah, so we have no... So that's how we solve that problem. But, you know, it did occur to me as she was talking about this that, like, once he's potty trained, we would have to not have him in the crib. Yeah. Or just not have him in the sleep sack. Because <laughs> he could climb himself out and in. Right. But that's interesting. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. What do you what do you foresee? What do you foresee happening? <sighs> with with Henry? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think that he will probably be in a pull up overnight for a long time. Mm. Even once he is potty trained. So I don't actually think him being potty trained will necessitate him having to go into a toddler bed. Interesting. Because Overnight pee is like a biological. You know, it's interesting. Like I don't even like. I mean, I never get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Understand, I am a grown adult, but everyone talks about it all the time. Like it's a real, like everybody's peeing at night, and I'm like, what is happening? Well, for kids, I mean, some kids it takes until they're like eight to be able to sleep through the night dry, and that's not something you can train. It's like a, it's just like a biological thing. Um, so, you know, he might be a kid who's able to sleep through the night in underwear when he's four, or it might take him a few more years. Like, we don't know. I also don't know that Henry necessarily wants to be out of his bed at night because like, you know, the times that we've had to get him up really early, he asks to immediately to go back to bed. He, well, he is like a, he's like, you know how they say like, if you train a puppy to like be in their crate, they like see the crate as like their home. Yeah. That's like Henry with his crib. Yeah, I could see that. His crib is like his like safe space. His sanctuary. His sanctuary. He like, I think he like legit like loves it in there. Well, I mean, he's got 400 different stuffed animals. Now he has. cast of Toy Story. Cast of Toy Story. Pillow, who is like its own, Pillow is like its own animal now. (laughs) Um, And now, now he has books in there and his water and tissues. (laughs) I see. I see. Bo just walked by the door there. Hello, Bo. Which means that Henry's not far behind. <laughs> oh, there he is. <laughs> Let's see if he wants to come in and be on the podcast. Oh, Henry. Let me see. Because I, I he was eating the microphone the other day like it was a thing. Do you want me to open the yeah. door? Oh, Don't mind the neighbors' dogs that bark at every little sound. He is really thinking about it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Come here, bud. We'll give you a microphone. <laughs> All right. Get sit on my lap. Okay. Henry, just into the microphone. Just say, put the headphones on him so he can hear himself. Say, hello, everybody. Can you say that? Hello. <laughs> say, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Podcast. (laughs) Yeah, bud. Henry, you are a natural. You are. Is there anything else you you want to say? Yeah. What else you want to say? Maybe Boba. Maybe Boba. Boba. Yeah. Hi, Boba. How you doing, Boba? How's your nap, bud? Yeah. Yeah? It was good? Did you talk to any of your stuffed animals while you're in bed 
Which one? Pillow? Do you hear your breathing? Did you sing any songs while you were in your crib? Yeah. What songs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you just being silly? Did you sing garbage truck? No. Oh, okay. Are you all done? Do you want to start your own podcast? Yeah. Okay, what do you think your podcast would be about? Mm. What would you like to talk about the most? Mm. Would you do a podcast about garbage trucks? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What 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 then would you tell everybody what your favorite color garbage bin is right now? Yeah. What color favorite? What is your favorite? Mm. Blue. Yeah, it's the recycling. You like recycling the most? Yeah. I think so, too. Is that because we have two recycling bins? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what time did you wake up, Henry? Do you remember what time you got up? Was it like 7-0-0? Or was it 2-3-2? Two, two? Uh, two, three, six. It was two, three, six. Two thirty-six. That's the time you got up for your nap, bud. That's some great knowledge of when you woke up. Where was the big hand and the little hand? Do you know? Where the big hand and the three and the little hand? Almost at the three. Almost at the three. Almost at the three, and then almost at the three. Three. So 2.15? Or do you mean almost at the 6? Almost at the 6? Yeah. Or wait, I guess almost at the 8. 8. Yeah. What's your favorite number? I know you like certain times. What's your favorite time? Greeny times. Greeny times. Greeny times is your favorite time when you give Bo his greeny? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. That's a lot of fun because you get to throw it wherever you want. Where do you usually put the greeny? Outside. Yeah, you like to watch Bo run outside and get it. Are you bonking your head against the microphone? Yeah. Well, I mean... Everybody, this is a big night. Special guest Henry. Say thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs> Say thanks for listening. Uh, oh, we're done. Oh, we're done. Okay. I mean, that's one way to do it, too. Honey, I don't know what else we're supposed to do. We can't. Your tissues are right there, bud. Uh, I don't think we could top that. Hold on. Oh, Henry's a little tangled. Happens to the best of us, bud. All right, bud. Thanks for podcasting Thanks with for us. Podcasting. There you go. Special guest appearance by Henry Myra. Yep. I mean, I think I think we got to wrap it up. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Um, thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. We'll thank our patrons before we go. Yep. Everybody who was a supporter of our show. Oh, you want to do you a little bit do a little more? more? Come here. I'll tell you who to thank on the Patreon. Yeah. Okay. Say, you want to put the headphones back on? Okay. Ready? I'm going to tell you who to thank. Ready? Say, 
Thank you, Mary Jo George. Bad dog. <laughs> okay. Maud Tremblay, Mackenzie Erickson, Magana Prasad. Thank you, Melanie Braunbeck. Henry, you could just say. Can you say thank you? Bob, Bob. That'll, that'll, <laughs> sure. Uh, Melinda Phelps, Melissa, Merrill H., Michael Roth, Michelle Saum, Mike Zydek, Mike, Kim, and Leo. Thank you. Henry, you can say thank you after I say thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Molly, Mariah, Adamic, Nancy Powell, Nassim Kansari. You know, Nassim helped plan our Disney World trip, so say thank you. You say thank you? Thank you. <laughs> Nicola Hill, Nicholas Skidmore, Nicole Mustafa, Nikki Bossert, Oshrat Kaplan, Paul Sharp, Paula Penny from Massachusetts, Arhan, Rachel Kuzma, Rob Bean, Robin Kilgo, Sadie Massa, Samantha, Sarah Dauberman, Sarah Dauberman, Sarah Prager, Sarah, Sarah Friedman, Sarah L., Sarah Swift, Henry, say thank you all the Sarahs. Thank you all Sarahs. <laughs> and uh, thank you to Sherry Olson, Shauna Mandel, Sir Reginald Pennybottom, SJF, Sophia F, Steph Gorl... SJV. That's what I meant. SJV, Sophia F, Steph Gorlnick, Stephanie Toronto. That's a great name. Steve Harcourt, Susanna Perez, uh, Tonya Lemos, Tanya Kerchemin, the buyer sees the Holterman can, the Kembles, Tracy Jury, Tyler Rosewood, Wendy Fick, and Whitney Hoffman. Can you say thank you, everyone? Thank you. Everyone. <laughs> thank you, iPad. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, iPad. Henry, you're a natural. Uh, whenever you want to start your own podcast, you let us know. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.